Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. Hey, it is Christmas season. How many of you guys are pumped? Come on, 1030. All right, by a show of hands or a round of applause, how many of you guys are excited that it's Christmas season? All right. By same show of hands or round of applause, hoot and holler, amens, whatever, how many of you guys are ready for the season to be over already? We know who the Grinches are now. All right. Hey, I love this time of the year. There's just, there's just an energy to it. There's excitement. It's the Christmas season. You got the music and the toys and the, and the food and, and all this great stuff. One of my favorite things about the Christmas season is the movies. There are so many good movies at the Christmas season. You've got a Christmas story, Christmas vacation, uh, the year there was without a Santa Claus. So many amazing Christmas movies. And so really quickly to get us started today, why don't you take a moment, turn to your neighbor, and tell them your favorite Christmas movie. Go ahead. All right. Are anyone, any of your favorites like the old claymation movies? Rudolph? Oh, yeah, those are good stuff. That's good, good movies. I'll admit, my favorite is Christmas Vacation. Nothing beats it. Yes, there's a few class. My people, it's just the best, you know. Why is the carpet wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. I just love it. So I can watch it all the time. I love Christmas Vacation. But another one of my favorite Christmas movies is The Grinch. I love The Grinch. Whether it's the cartoon version or the live action version, The Grinch, is, it's such an amazing Christmas movie, isn't it? And if you've never seen it, uh, first of all, you've been living under a rock since 1966. It's been around forever. Um, but it's about this grumpy green creature who lives on Mount Crumpet and just below in Whoville live the Who's, not the band, the people in the village, okay? So the Who's live there and they loved Christmas. They loved the decorations, the toys, the music. They went all out for it and the Grinch just despised it. He hated Christmas, hated everything about it and because of that he hated the Who's as well. Just could not stand Christmas. So he devised the plan where he was going to steal it. He was going to go down Christmas Eve, steal all the decorations, all the food, the roast beast, all the greatness about it, and take all of it and in process steal their joy. He was going to ruin Christmas uh, for the Who's. And it's an amazing story. Watch the movie, read the book. It's great stuff. Um, but if we're honest with ourselves, how many of you guys would say that there is someone in your life that you could essentially call the Grinch? There's, yeah, there's someone who could do, they steal your joy, they steal your happiness, especially around the holidays. We all have them. I've had some Grinches in my life, and one of them is named Nate Trimmer. Nate Trimmer is the Grinch of 2012. That's him right here. I'm going to go ahead and put this uh, mask. Nate is the Grinch of 2012. He, he ruined Christmas for me. Um, here, let me just preface this. Nate is an, um, is, awesome, is an awesome guy. He's my wife's cousin. He's fun to be around. He's funny. He's generous. Just a great, great guy. But in 2012, Nate was the Grinch. Because what happened is Nate's from California, and he flew into Pennsylvania to visit family for the holidays and things like that. And so we're hanging out with Danielle's side of the family, and everything's going great, but Nate gets sick. Now, he, he doesn't just get like a cold sick. He gets sick achy, throw up, like the type of sick, like it's like Jesus heal me or kill me now type of a sickness. And so Nate gets sick and Nate is a generous guy. So he started just giving the gift of that, that plague to everybody. 
And so he, 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 he kindly gave it to his aunt, who, and she gave it to her two daughters. And those two daughters gave it to their three cousins, and those cousins gave it to their parents, and it's going to hitting everybody. And my wife gets it, and at this point, I know what's happening. And the writing is on the wall. This plague, this tremor plague is coming after me. And I am just freaking out because, first of all, I hate being sick. Like I, first of all, it's a universal rule. Guys, we don't handle being sick to begin with. We act like infants when we're sick. Ladies, I get an amen. It's true. Guys, we just don't handle it well. You see, when women get sick, they can still take care of the kids. They can cook meals. They can save the world. They do all that stuff fine. But, guys, we get a head cold. It's like, oh, I can't go on much longer. Like, it just... We can't do it, okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm horrible at being sick, and I know it's coming, and I start freaking out, and I'm just stealing my joy at Christmas time. And so Christmas Eve happens, and Christmas happens. Everyone's getting sick around me. So the 26th, we get through that, and, and I'm still surviving. I'm not sick yet. And I start to believe that maybe I am stronger than this plague, that I'm going to defeat it, and I'm not going to get sick. And the 27th comes. It's my birthday now, and my wife is laid up in bed still. She is sick. It's bad. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe I get, I've avoided it. I've gotten through the worst of it. Maybe I'm good. And on the 27th that night, I'm watching a movie with my brother, and the tingling in my stomach just starts. And it builds and builds. And finally, everything I ate for the last four days made its triumphal return in the toilet. It was bad. I just threw it up everywhere. It was bad news everywhere. I'm sorry for giving you the image, but this is what happened, people. These are the facts. And... From now on, for the rest of my life, the Christmas season of 2012 will forever be known as the year of the tremor plague because Nate, the Grinch, got everybody sick. All in all, he made 14 people sick. Horrible. Now, there's nothing Nate could have done about it. You know, we laugh about it now, but really that, that year was kind of just the, the joy of it was taken away because we're all so sick. And, and the thing of this story is, is we all have these Grinches in our lives, the ones who just steal our joy. They, they're the people that when they come around, they cause us stress and anxiety. They're the ones that we kind of grit our teeth when they come around and we're forced to talk to them. You know what I'm talking about? They're the ones who listen to Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Um, seriously, people, it's not of God. Why do you do that? I'm, I'll be, maybe I'm the Grinch in that type of category, but just one of my things, deal with me. But we have these people. We have Grinches. And, and sometimes they can be humorous Grinches. Like, you know, we can laugh about him getting everybody sick now. Or we can, you know, laugh about Grinches who give really poor gifts, like the dad, the story we heard early in service. Uh, but sometimes Grinches aren't humorous. Sometimes they hurt. Sometimes maybe it's someone that you have an ugly history with. They're your Grinch. Or maybe it's someone who's just so negative about everything. They just suck the joy out of your life. Maybe it's someone who's hurting about something. We don't know what, but their hurt just projects on us, and they just, they're not fun to be around. Maybe it's an ex. Maybe it's a family member that stole a piece of your innocence. Maybe it's a coworker you don't get along with or another family member. Or maybe it's someone in this room right here, right now with you. We have Grinches. The, we, the, the people, whether they intend to or not, they, they, they steal the joy from our lives. And let's be honest. At this time of the year, that's what we want. We want joy. We're tired. This world is hurting, and there's so many negative things around us. And so at the Christmas season, we all want this joy and happiness that this holiday is supposed to bring. But what do we do with these Grinches who steal that from us? How do we handle them? 
Well, that's what we'll be talking about over the next three weeks of this new series called How to Hug a Grinch. We're going to be looking at how to love these Grinches in our lives that steal our joy. We're going to look at how God has called us to act in love around them. Uh, we're going to learn to heal from Grinches and how to learn how to deal with Grinches over the next few weeks. And it's going to be a great series. I hope you guys are able to make all of them. Um, but the first principle for us to look at in this series is on how to hug a Grinch is this. In order for me to deal and to hug the Grinches around me, I must first admit that I, too, am a Grinch. Of all the Grinches in my life, I'm the worst. I'm the Grinch. I steal joy from others. and So before I can ever love another Grinch, someone else, I need to first realize and admit that I'm a Grinch, and I need love and healed from that, too. In the book of Matthew in the Bible, we have this privilege of reading Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And it spans from Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. And it's literally one of the most amazing and difficult things to read in the Bible because Jesus just lays out what it looks like, what it means to be one of his followers. And so if you're in this room and you would consider yourself a Christ follower, or you're in this room and you would not consider yourself a Christ follower, I would encourage you to read this uh, piece of Scripture. Because regardless of where you're at, you're going to look and see what Jesus expects from his followers. We can learn so much from it. And what's amazing about it is Jesus doesn't spend this big chunk of time teaching and preaching how we need to go fix everybody else. What he does in the Sermon on the Mount, he focuses on how he wants to fix us individually. And we get to this point towards the end of the sermon in Matthew chapter 7 where he says this in verses 1 and 2. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus says not to judge. And I think this is one of the most misquoted scriptures in all of the Bible. Christians and non-Christians like we love this verse because what happens is as soon as someone calls us out for a behavior that's not appropriate or something that just doesn't line up with how God has called us to live and someone calls us out on it, the first thing we do is like, hey man, don't judge. Jesus said don't judge. Who are you to judge? And we use this verse all the time as a defense against anybody else calling us out for how we're acting. We, we use it as a defense mechanism. And then we look at the Bible and see that Jesus really did say that. So does that mean we should just let everybody go and just let them do their thing and not worry about, you know, calling anybody out or critiquing or helping anybody out with what they're doing? Well, no, because that's not what Jesus means here. What Jesus is saying here is when he says do not judge, what he's saying is don't condemn them. Don't slam the gavel down on their life and, and essentially tell them that what they're doing, it means there's no hope for them. They're a lost cause. There's just nothing good that's going to come out from them. He's saying don't condemn them and, and that type of a judgment for them because the truth is we're called to critique and call out behavior and culture in our world around us. Jesus did it all the time. He called out hypocrisy. He called out when religious people would act without loving others. He called out sin, but he did so while loving each and every person he came across. And Christ followers are supposed to do the same thing. We should critique culture. Not condemn it, but critique it and point people back to Jesus. But, and this, this is a big but here. We can't do that until we understand fully what Jesus is saying in this area, in this section of Scripture. And this is what he says in the next couple of verses, verses 3 and 4. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Now, often we think of Jesus, we think of him as just this wise, pious teacher, really holy and humble and things like that. And he is, and that's who Jesus is, but he's also funny. And we miss this sometimes. Jesus had jokes. And he had a tendency to exaggerate things and really just blow out what he's kind of talking about to kind of make people laugh. And this is one of those moments. He says, listen, how are you worried about this tiny, little, microscopic speck of sawdust in your brother's eye when all the while you have this huge piece of wood sticking out of your own eye? And he's using this exaggeration. And he's, he's right about this. It's kind of funny, but it's right. We worry so much about other people's behaviors and actions, and we spend no time reflecting and looking at our own. We have to first examine ourselves before we can ever help others. We need to deal with our own grinchiness, and I think that's a made-up word, but we're going to go with it. We need to deal with our own grinchiness before we can ever deal with the other grinches in our lives. And this is what Jesus is teaching here. He's saying, don't condemn. Don't just pass off complete judgment to someone. But examine yourself first. And he probably had the crowd laughing as he's teaching this, and they're laughing at the exaggeration. But then he follows it up with this first, very next one. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. He calls the crowd hypocrites. Not a nice word to call them, but he was being truthful here. And he was saying that who they were pretending to be wasn't really who they were. They were hiding behind masks, and they weren't dealing with their own problems. We all want to look at the other Grinches in our lives and put blame on them and call them like, you're a Grinch for stealing my joy, and you're a Grinch for stealing my joy, and you're all Grinches. Although, if we're honest with ourselves, the worst Grinch in our lives is me. It's yourself. We're a Grinch who steals joy from ourselves and steals it from other people. We're wearing that Grinch mask. We're being the hypocrites. We're called to help others, but we have to deal with ourselves first. This is what Jesus is teaching in this section. It is so relevant to our Christmas season right now when it comes to us dealing with Grinches. Because we all have Grinches who steal our joy, they steal our happiness, they steal our excitement. It's true for all of us. But we have to realize that sometimes the biggest thief of our joy, the biggest thief of our happiness and our contentment is ourselves. We steal joy from ourselves and other people because we're the Grinch. We have these planks in our eye, and we're worried about the specks in everybody else's eye. And in order for us to address this, in order for us to, to do something about this, we have to first admit it, but then put some things into practice. Because we can admit all we want that we're Grinches, and we have these issues and struggles and planks sticking out of our eyes that's causing us to steal joy from other people. We can admit that all we want. But if we don't do something about it, what's the point? There's no, there has to be action to it. So the first thing we have to do is this. Put down the magnifying glass and pick up the mirror. We need to stop focusing so much on other people's actions and behaviors, but we need to start looking at ourselves because from the beginning of time, our sinful nature has just led us to focus more on people's problems, other people's problems, rather than our own. We're worried about looking through a magnifying glass rather than picking up a mirror and looking at ourselves. I think back to Adam and Eve when they sinned and they disobeyed God. When God questioned Adam, you know what he said? He blamed the woman. He goes, God, this woman you put here with me, she gave me the fruit. It's her fault. When really Adam's the one who took it himself and he ate it. She didn't make him eat it. He did it on his own, but he's blaming her. 
It started then and it continues now. We see it all around us. The Democrats are destroying our country. The Republicans, they're all hypocrites. You get on social media and all we see is articles and posts putting blame on everybody else for the world's problems. And all we're doing is looking through the magnifying glass to critique and blame everybody else for the world's problems rather than looking at our own. Let me ask you a question. When you fight with your spouse or your kids or someone, do you spend more time looking through the magnifying glass or the mirror? Or when you're frustrated at work and you're mad at your boss or you're, you're ticked off at your coworker for not pulling his or her load and you're just mad, are you worried about the speck in their eye or the plank in yours? Are you looking through a magnifying glass or are you picking up a mirror and looking at it yourself? You need to put down that magnifying glass and pick up the mirror. Jesus understood this and he taught this all the time. His sermon on his entire sermon on the mount was more focused on our own self-assessment and our own behavior and actions rather than everybody else's. He was all about the mirror rather than the magnifying glass. There's one time in Jesus' life where the religious leaders who hated Jesus devised the plan to kind of trap him to see what he would do in a situation. And they bring this woman who they caught in adultery and they threw her at his feet. And how did they find her? with a magnifying glass. No doubt they were looking for someone to call out for adultery. And what's crazy about this story is they bring the woman, but where's the guy? He's guilty too, where's he at? But they bring this woman, they're being sexist, and they throw this woman at Jesus' feet. And they say, Jesus, based off the law, she should be condemned and stoned to death. Which is true, that's what the law said. But Jesus' reaction here, what he did here is so amazing. What he does is he gets down and he starts writing in the dirt. We don't know what he was writing. We can speculate all we want. But then he says something to the religious leaders. He goes, if any of you are without sin, then go ahead and throw the first stone. And one by one, the religious leaders left. And they dropped their cause to kill this woman. Because Jesus took away their magnifying glass and gave them all mirrors. And they were honest with themselves at that moment and realize that they're just as guilty as she is. And so Jesus then talks to the woman. He says to her, woman, where, where are your accusers? Do they not condemn you? And she says, they're not here. They left. And this is, Jesus says to her, I don't condemn you either. Get up. Go and leave your life of sin. And if I had it my way, I'd put Merry Christmas at the end of that. Because that's the Christmas story. Jesus doesn't condemn her. He loves her. He critiques her. He tells her to leave her life of sin. There's no condemnation there. Jesus' challenge here is for us to put down the magnifying glass and pick up the mirror. Because when we do that, we can start examining ourselves and start to see what those planks are. And that's the second thing we have to look at. Once we pick up the mirror and look at ourselves, what's your plank? What's our plank? What is it? What's making you the Grinch and stealing joy from yourself and others? Is it greed? Is greed that plank? Is greed your Grinch? Do you have this desire for more, more money, more stuff? You know, each year Americans give $260 billion to charitable organizations. That sounds pretty good, right? Except do you know from Black Friday through Christmas, we spend $630 billion. On Black Friday alone, we spend $50 billion. 
And you see when this happens, this season hits, and we see these videos of people fist fighting each other. We see grown adults stealing from children because that kid was holding the waffle iron they wanted so bad. And you see this greed and this, this evil, this meanness come out of people, these grinches everywhere. Because greed is just fueling that. Now, none of us in this room ever want to be called greedy. So I'm not going to do that. But if you're honest with yourself when you're holding up that mirror and you're looking at yourself, is that plank, is your Grinch, is it greed? Are you focused on wanting more and getting more for yourself or for your family? Because that's another way we kind of mask greed in our culture. We kind of put it at as we spend all this money on getting stuff that we convince ourselves that our family needs, but if we're honest with ourselves, that's not true. We want all this stuff. We want our kids to have the best, the best, the best. And all it's doing is fueling this greed grinch in us. Is greed the plank? Is greed stealing your joy? Is it making you a grinch? Is it loneliness? Loneliness can cause us to be a grinch. Maybe you're missing a loved one or you're just alone during the holidays. That's a tough time to be alone. And what that does, it kind of makes you become more of a recluse and you kind of project that hurt onto other people. It makes them not want to be around you and it's keeping you from being in community because they want nothing to do with you because you're hurt from being lonely. Now here's the deal. If that's you, I'm not discrediting that hurt at all. That's a very real thing to deal with. It's tough and I'm sorry. But sometimes it can turn us into a grinch. And it keeps us from experiencing joy and community with family and friends around us. Is it loneliness? Is it anger? The holidays are stressful. Kids don't listen. Things happen that don't go our way. And when those things happen, do you kind of tend to get angry? Does your voice raise? Does your words become sharp? And is that anger stealing joy from yourself and those around you? To be honest with you guys, this is my plank. I get angry. Things don't go my way and Noah doesn't listen or Drew gets cranky or the dog wants to go outside when I'm in the middle of doing something that I deem more important. And those things happen and I react with anger. My voice raises. I get kind of just snippy with my wife or whoever else. I just kind of get frustrated. I get angry. And what that does, it just steals joy from me and those around me. I'm a Grinch. And I had to realize that plank in my eye before I worry about anybody else's speck in theirs. You can't be joyful while you're angry. Is it jealousy? Is it bitterness? Is it hatred? If you're honest with it, you just have a hatred for someone or something that just takes the joy out of you this season. When you look in the mirror, what's your plank? Be honest with yourself. Because the more we look in the mirror and focus on our own planks, our own grinchiness, the more we'll start learning to live and love like Jesus. And when we do that, we'll learn the most important thing here, and that's this, that Jesus sets you free from that plank. He can help heal you from that. The most important thing, though, is when we're looking at not being a Grinch ourselves, we need to stop stealing joy from ourselves. We need to remind ourselves daily why we're even celebrating this season, this holiday. Why are we even celebrating Christmas? Now, we like to hear, and this is a Christian thing to do, we like to say things like, Jesus is the reason for the season, and, you know, you know keep Christ in Christmas, and that's all well and good. But here's something I've noticed about our culture recently. When we say those things, Those little taglines, we say them more through the lens of a magnifying glass than a mirror. 
We start worrying about other people, the other Grinches in our lives. We worry about Starbucks and their red cups because it doesn't say Christmas on it. And we worry about Target opening up on Thanksgiving evening and taking people from their homes so they can go shopping. We get frustrated with that. When all along, we're not looking at ourselves, reminding ourselves what the reason is. We want to blame others. We don't look at ourselves. You see, it's not about Starbucks' red cups. Because red cups don't mean Christmas. Reminding ourselves that we have everything we need in Jesus, that's Christmas. It's not about Target feeding into the greed frenzy by opening up on Thanksgiving. It's about reminding ourselves that no matter what we buy on this planet, nothing will ever fulfill us like Jesus does. It's not about AT&T's Thanksgiving marketing plan. It's about us believing and trusting that we are content and we find everything through Jesus. It's not about remembering the Christmas season and thinking about our Grinches and thinking, Jesus, save them, rescue them. It's us reminding ourselves, Jesus, come and save and rescue me. The person that needs transformed and rescued the most Every day of our lives, especially during this Christmas season, is you. It's me. We need rescued more than anybody else before we can ever worry about other people. It's about knowing and trusting that Jesus came to rescue us from ourselves, to heal us and free us from the planks in our eyes so we're not the Grinch to others. He came to free us from the greed that steals our contentment. He came to free us from the loneliness that steals our community. He came to free us from the anger that steals our joy. He can take the grinchiest of grinches and transform us into a loving, forgiving child of God who brings joy into other people's lives rather than steal it from their lives. Christmas isn't about looking at the grinches in our lives and worrying about the specks in their eyes, but rather focusing on ourselves and worrying about how Jesus can rescue and free us from the planks in our own grinchiness. If you want a season of Christmas this year full of joy and contentment, it starts more with you than anybody else. And when we trust that Jesus can free us from those planks, that's when we get transformed. One of my favorite parts of the movie of The Grinch is at the end when he steals all the stuff. He's got this sleigh full of toys and food and decorations, and he thinks he's won. He thinks, I've stolen everything. I've ruined their Christmas. They're going to come out and wake up. They're going to be so sad and boo-hooing and Cindy Lou Who's going to be miserable. He thinks he's been victorious. But what happens? The Who's wake up. They come out. They gather hands. They sing. They're still joyful. And the Grinch looks at this and he's like, what? In that moment, he realized that maybe there's something more to Christmas than toys and food and decorations. And his heart transforms and it grows how many sizes? Three. Grows three sizes at that moment. He's, he's completely changed and he goes back down and he unloads the sled and gives them their toys and decorations and roast beast back and, and they just have a wonderful time and he celebrates with them. He is transformed and, and people, this is the Christmas message because Jesus came, he was born to transform us, to give us a new heart. He transforms our lives and he rescues us from the greed and anger or whatever steals our joy this Christmas. And he, he teaches us contentment found only in him. He teaches us peace. He gives us community. He rescues us from ourselves so that we can then love and serve those around us. We become like the Grinch with a new heart. And maybe that's what we need to do this Christmas. 
Maybe instead of being controlled by the plank in our eye, instead of being the Grinch, we need to serve and be generous towards those around us. Maybe we need to be like the Grinch with a new and transformed heart. I've learned if I really want joy and contentment in my life, I need to love and serve others more than I love and serve myself. So here's a couple ways I want to invite you to do that this Christmas season. I want you to do two things. I want you to serve. I want you to be generous. I want you to serve by simply inviting people. Do you know during the Christmas season, people are more open and willing to check out a church where they'll hear the gospel message maybe for the first time than ever before? And Christmas Eve, they are more open than ever to actually go and try and see what this is about. They're just waiting to be invited. This is where you come in. You can serve others by going to people around you to invite them like, hey, do you want to come to Christmas Eve service with, with me and my family? You want to go? What would happen if we went crazy with this and we invited our friends and our family members who are far from God and we invited our neighbors, we invited the, the barista at Starbucks and the waiter or waitress we talked to at the restaurant or we uh, invited the coworker that maybe we don't get along with but we know they're far from God and we want to love them by inviting them. What if we did that? How crazy would Christmas be this year? And we don't worry about them saying no or us being offended. We just do it because Jesus came to rescue us and so we can love others by inviting them to come with us. So my challenge for you is get crazy with this, invite people. There'll be invite cards as you're leaving the auditorium today. Pick up a bunch of them. Use them as an invite piece. Invite as many people as you can. See what happens. Another thing you can do to serve at Christmas is to simply serve at the Christmas Eve services. We have four identical services from the 23rd and the 24th. And there'll be so many guests here checking out River Glen for the first time, maybe hearing the message of Jesus for the first time. And it would take so many people each service to make that happen. We could use your help. Maybe you and your family sign up together. Or you and your small group do it together. And maybe you come and you attend a service with the guests that you bring. And maybe then maybe you stay a service to help serve after that. And help other people enjoy and experience that joy of Christmas and the message of Jesus. And you can do that by signing up with the card in your program today or stopping at the info center. Serve by inviting and by serving at the Christmas Eve services. And then be generous. I want to invite you guys to be generous this Christmas season. We believe, we teach ourselves, we tell ourselves it's better to give and to receive. Let's put that to the test. Andy mentioned at the beginning of service that we are collecting blankets and toys through the Christmas Clearing Council to provide them for families in need this holiday season. There are families in our community that can't afford blankets to stay warm and can't afford toys to give their children on Christmas morning. That's a problem that we can impact. And so go Go to the store, get crazy, buy blankets, buy toys, and let's fill this lobby up. And here's my challenge too. If you have kids, bring them with you and let them pick the toys. It's something we can, can tend to do sometimes is we get there and we see all the toys and there's like a $30 toy and there's like a $10 toy. We'll grab the $10 toy because that's more you know, fiscally responsible for us right now. But if we put our kids in charge of it, they're going to pick the $80 toy. But seriously, think about that. We're thinking fiscally, and our kids are thinking generously. Kids get it better than us sometimes. Get generous. Get the toys you would get your kids. Maybe get toys that, that are better than what you would give your kids. They won't know any different. Get blankets. Fill this lobby. I'm praying that we struggle to find a walking path next weekend because there's so many toys and blankets in our lobby. Stephen Curtis Chapman's going to come and go, whoa, this church is generous. That'd be awesome. 
So go shopping this week. Get crazy. If you already bought some, go buy more. You can be generous as well by also giving to the Christmas offering. If you are on a mailing list this, this week, you got a letter talking about how we're doing a Christmas offering this year. And that offering is going to go to a bunch of different things. One, it's going to help uh, continue to, to, to budget for our, our mission to make more and better followers of Jesus. That's what we're all about. We're all about impacting our community. Yesterday they were working on the house for the Habitat house that we're building. We're all about impacting people and helping them uh, become uh, Christ followers and following Jesus better. Some of that money goes to help that. It also goes to help uh, fund a pool to help bring in more interns so we can help them and train them and give them a good, healthy church for them to learn how to do ministry at. An internship changed, an internship changed my life. I wouldn't be here at Riverland if it wasn't for my internship. We want to help other college students experience the same thing, so that's going to help that. And if you didn't get that letter, stop at the info center before you leave, pick that up, and I'm going to ask you to sit down with your spouse, read it together, and pray about it, and ask God, how can you be generous in this way this year? How can you make an impact? And I want you to prayerfully consider to giving to that Christmas offering this year. Because you see, when we serve and we give, we become like the Grinch but with a transformed heart. We all have Grinches in our lives, but the first one we have to deal with this year is ourself. And not worry about the speck in their eye, but worry about the plank in ours. And allow Jesus to transform our hearts and free us from those things that cause us to be the Grinch. And Jesus really does free us. That's why we exist as a church. Every week we celebrate and remember and worship Jesus because he came, he was born with one purpose, and that's to die for you and for me. And so every week, we remember that through celebrating and worshiping through communion. We remember the sacrifice he made on the cross. We don't get to the cross without going through Christmas first. And that's why Christmas is so amazing and so important for us. Because Christmas gets us to Easter, and that brings us rescue and transformation. So I'm going to pray, and all Christ followers in this room, you're invited to worship and, and, and take communion at this time uh, together. You pray with me. God, thanks so much for today and this chance to come and hang out and have fun and laugh, uh, but also learn that we're Grinches. God, you've given us the greatest gift we will ever receive, and that's Jesus Christ. And yet our own Grinchiness gets in the way of that, and we forget. We worry about other people and other people's actions and other people's problems. That just steals our own joy. But God, you came to give us joy. Help us to remember that. Help us to get the planks from our eyes so we can learn to focus and love you more so we can love and help others better. Help us to serve and be generous in a way this world's never seen before. Jesus, thank you for rescuing us and for freeing us. In the name we pray, amen.